Welcome to another episode of the Head of Nations podcast. I'm your host, Brian, and across from me is your co-host, Ben. So, Ben, what's going on in your nations this week? We finally have our first baseball game um, that we're going to be playing tonight. My son will be playing, not me. I'll just be sitting and watching. So, so yeah, we've been working on um, on pitching, and because um, this is the first, you know, first year of kid kid pitch solely kid pitch so that's going to be uh, that's big time so so yeah so we've been um, throwing a lot but uh, he's been kind of under my teaching and coaching this week and, and it's actually been really cool um, and I think the key though there is like you know we'll have practices you know his team will, will practice and I'll help um, coach it but uh, when we're together um, almost like less is more and it's been like I've been like you know because I'm, I'm I'm a teacher and, and I, you know, I'm a little more analytical when it comes to, um, the, you know, his, his technique and things like that. And so I'm kind of looking at, you know, analyzing it and he doesn't like that, um, as much. And if we can focus on, um, maybe just one thing, you know, at a time and, and he's been, he's been coming along pretty well. So, yeah. So I'm looking forward to the game tonight. It'll be, it'll be great. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed that with my kids as well, where less is more, yeah. you know, instead of trying to correct a like bunch everything. of things, yeah. Because yeah. I didn't like that when I was a kid. No, but, who does? But you have that responsibility <laughs> as the parent too, where you're like, I, I can help you, but then too much can be crushing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm like learning that. I'm like, oh, okay. So that you know that session was really good, and it was shorter, but it was like really good. Mm-hmm. So good. Anyways, what about you? Yeah. So this week I'm working on prep for a Sunday school series I'm teaching. Oh, nice. Yeah, at our church we call them Christian Living Classes, and I'm teaching one on marriage. So when I was asked to teach, I offered up two suggestions. And one of them was marriage. And I was kind of hoping that the leadership would go with the other one, because Mm. my qualifications for teaching a class on marriage, it's that I'm married. That's like (laughs) my qualification for teaching that. So it's a big responsibility, but I'm excited about the class and I've been starting some prep on that. So, and maybe I'll be able to use some of the prep I've done for the class in future shows here on the podcast. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, what, what was the other topic? I'm just curious. Was that like disarming intruders? Or <laughs> That'd be a great one. I, yeah. I, I would love to teach that one. Using no, it, your bees. There yeah, we go. Like attack. Yeah. Yeah. Attack bees. <laughs> yeah. So this other option was the theology of sacrifice. Oh, yeah. It was going to be a much more heady class, yeah, yeah. A, a more intellectual class. Not that marriage isn't, but I feel like I'm going on the practical side of marriage in the mm-hmm. class. So anyway, that's what I'm working on this week. So let's go ahead and get into the verse of the week this week, and it's from Psalm 8, and it ties right into our topic for this week as well. So this is in Psalm 8, starting in verse 4. So it starts out saying, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think it's um, it's, it's an incredible calling and gift even. And I'm interested in this because the, the angels are not given like authority over things like us. We are given authority over, you know, over this world. And I, and I think that's interesting. That's got to bother, had to have bothered Satan mm-hmm. at least. Um, that's probably, 
well, I don't want to get off topic, but I feel like that's probably one of the reasons, if not the main reason for the fall. But anyways, um, and it kind of like it, you know, I had a dog years ago, a couple of years ago, and we had kids and that dog, we ended up giving the dog to a family member because we, you know, it was just like too much. And I was thinking, I'm like, if we ever get a dog again, I wonder if things would be different, you know? Mm. I don't know. <laughs> from, from a dominion aspect yes, or yeah, yes, like a, a like, rulership aspect yeah, over the dog? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, like, you know, the dog, it caused, <laughs> the dog caused, I mean, and it was better. It was a good situation. Um, but it did cause us extra, and we had three kids, you know, mm-hmm. pretty quick, pretty close, you know, um, in age. And the dog was like, you know, we weren't able to really spend the time that we were able to, you know, to to spend with them at the beginning. Uh, but I always think of like, you know, what's our relationship with the animals? And, yeah. and I, because I, I, I like to think that my relationship with animals is more, is like a, a king with, you know, with servants or in a way, you know, and mm. a benevolent king, of course, not, you know, a tyrant. Um, and I always think, you know, maybe I, I, I want to take another crack at it sometimes um, because I feel like, you know, it's not always, I feel like it's, you know, I could always get and grow um, better in my, in my role in my rolling, you know, of, of, of my own, you know, dominion. If I add animals into the equation, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, maybe I'm like, maybe I'm crazy. I have no. one hermit crab right now and that thing is going mm-hmm. strong. That's a start. I know. Sure. Yeah. I know. We're, we're easing our way back into it. So there you go, Brian. Those are my, those are my thoughts. <laughs> I've heard that hermit crabs are the gateway animal. <laughs> Yeah, so I want to reflect on what you said about animals, and then I want to kind of widen the scope here a little bit. But I've noticed I have lots of animals, actually, and I've noticed that as I take care of animals, that I do look at it as almost like a kingdom of mine or a nation of mine, that my animals fall under my purview. And Proverbs says, a righteous man takes care of the needs of his animals. And so there's a spiritual aspect, I believe, based on that and based on other passages of scripture, there's a spiritual aspect to taking care of your animals. And so like, I've got chickens, I've got goats, I've got cats. I'd also like to have bees. I'm not there yet, but I'd like to have bees. And there is a spiritual aspect of taking care of the animals where I have to serve their needs. They serve my purposes, but I have to serve their needs. I have to make sure they're watered. I have to make sure they're fed. And I have my son do some of that as well, and my daughter, where they learn that ownership of the animal and the responsibilities that go with ruling over it. Hmm. But really, if you look at that passage, we're just a little bit below the heavenly beings. And the psalm says we're crowned with glory and honor. And given dominion, which is what I want to get into in a minute, we're given dominion over all creation by God. So that is the topic of the week, just to segue here. The topic of the week is dominion. And I want to start with the definition of dominion. And I think I got this from the Oxford English Dictionary. I'm not exactly sure now that I I didn't make it in the notes here where I got it, but I know it wasn't Webster's Dictionary. So the definition of dominion is this. Control or the exercise of control, sovereignty. And then the secondary definition is a territory or sphere of influence of control, a realm. So Psalm 8 and Genesis 1 make it clear that man has authority over all creation. Like if you look at Genesis 1, God tells man and woman after he created them to rule 
over the creation that he's made. And Psalm 8 speaks of that. If you read in the NIV, it says that he's given them rulership, right? So it's not dominion, but given them rule over creation. So over all of the works of God's hand, we have been given dominion. God made man to rule over what he's made. And this didn't end with the fall. It may have been corrupted by the fall, but we still have dominion. And I want this to sink in because I really don't think we talk about this much in Christian circles, this concept of rulership or dominion over creation. But I want you to think of this. God, the king and ruler of the universe, the one who spoke all things into creation, the one who sustains all things, through whom all things subsist. He, the God of the universe, he himself has granted us authority under him to rule over all that he has made. Like To me, that is a bewildering concept to let that sink in. Like The master of all worlds, of all the, all the universe, all the galaxies, all the stars, he grants us dominion. So I've not really ever heard a sermon preached on this in my lifetime, and I've heard a lot of sermons, right? But we encounter something similar, like while we may not hear sermons on the spiritual aspect of this, we encounter something similar in life all the time. So think about like your job. You're employed, I'm employed, right? We both work. And the institution that you work for gives you dominion over your area. So you have authority. You've been granted authority by the institution to act on behalf of or in the name of that institution. Obviously, there are certain parameters that you have to work within, and there are certain expectations of how you'll conduct yourself. It's not unlimited authority, but the level of authority comes with rank, and rank comes with trust that you've built with that institution. So, for example, let's say you go to Walmart and you have online grocery pickup. And you pick up your order and an employee has screwed it up at some point. You get home, you unpack the bags, and you're like, I clicked garlic and they gave me ginger. So, what do you say? You say, Walmart screwed up my order. Now, who really screwed it up? You know, Bob or Tim or Bill, whoever it was that was picking the groceries off the counter, they couldn't tell the difference between garlic or ginger. They saw G and they're like, that's it. It's good. And they threw it in the bag. I don't blame Bob. I don't blame Tim or Bill, whoever it was that screwed up my order. They were acting on behalf of Walmart and they were representing Walmart while they were packing the order. Therefore, Walmart takes the blame. I don't blame Tim or Bob. I have no idea who pulled my groceries, but I sure blame Walmart. So that employee is acting. They have dominion. Walmart has granted them dominion to pull groceries in the name of Walmart. And so when that order is filled, it's filled in the name of Walmart. And so when something good happens, I'm like, this is good, Walmart. When something bad happens, I'm like, this is bad, Walmart. So they have dominion from Walmart. And so I just want to like, unpack this for a minute and see what you have to say on this particular topic of dominion in everyday life before we dive more in the spiritual realm. 
Yeah, I think C.S. Lewis says in one of his chapters, A Mere Christianity, um, it's book three. I remember it being book three. Um, I, th- I actually think it was about Christian marriage, but he talks. He talked about the actually the husband being kind of like concerned with the foreign policy of the household. The, you know, and the, and the wife is her focus is naturally going to be inward, you know, and kind of like on the children, on preserving, you know, the family, you know, and things in the household, and and that's going to be her main her main objective is going to be protecting them kind of like you know um and and, and then stewardship of uh, of the children and household activities but the man is like responsible for you know basically representing the family outside of the home you know and so when there is when there's something that happens with the neighbor i don't send my wife over to talk with the neighbor you know it's usually the husband who does that you know it's me who who will who will go as the representative of the family you know and I, I I thought that you know that's an interesting point and when we're talking about dominion here you know I think that that is that's something that I think comes nat- more natural to to a man who is kind of like a little king you know um, and I think that is that's a good thing you know to to kind of own and take ownership of that when you know especially you know when, when we when we take you know when we take wives and we have children that's that should be something that you know that we should consider um, as part of our as part of our calling you know as men to be like little little kings you know absolutely yeah, yeah. and I've read Mere Christianity twice, mm. and it's been a while since I've read it through the second time. I don't remember that part mm. of it, so that mm-hmm. shows me I need to read it, oh, again. Read it again. That's a brilliant point. I've never really thought about it in terms of domestic policy mm-hmm. and foreign policy, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm into social studies, and I look into that an awful lot. And I do like to think in terms of domestic policy and foreign policy. And mm. every administration mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. has a domestic policy and a foreign policy. And so you know, if you're a president or if you're a king, you have a domestic policy and a foreign policy and you would have you know, a minister of each. So I find that a really intriguing thought to look at it through the lens of the wife is the head of or in charge of under the husband mm-hmm. in charge of the domestic policy. Like she does the inward things and the husband does the outward or the foreign policy under the headship. You know, the husband is the head, the wife does the, the home policy under the husband. I, I, yeah. I need to really unpack that a little bit more. C.S. Lewis is a, a wordsmith yeah. for sure yeah. and a, a very extremely insightful guy possibly as much, if not more so, than G.K. Chesterton, although Mm. I'd like to have that conversation with you someday. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just a side note, if you want a really good read, Mere Christianity is a great book. Or if you have a friend that's really struggling to unpack the thoughts of Christianity, they're really on the fence about, is Jesus who he says he is? Mere Christianity is a great book for them to read. Mm. All right, so let's get back at this now that As Christians, I really think we don't often think about the fact that we have dominion. But we have the ability to exercise dominion in a redeemed way as Christians. We have the ability to achieve or to help bring about God's will or purposes. And I think Ephesians talks about this in Ephesians chapter 2. I think it's verse 10 that talks about that we have good works that have been prepared for us in advance to do. So as redeemed men who have been granted dominion, there are works of exercising that dominion that God has prepared for us in advance. I think that's an exciting thought, but I, wanna, I don't want to land there. I just want to kind of tease that for a second. So 
think about this philosophically, before we get into practically, philosophically, what does it mean that I have dominion through God? Well, it means that I have the authority to make decisions with that which God has created. So part of that dominion is authority to act. Like if the Walmart example, that employee has the authority to act on behalf of Walmart within certain parameters. So similarly, as a created being, as man created by God, I've been granted, Psalm 8 says, dominion over God's creation. So I have the authority to act. And I think this is really where there's a helpful balance that can be struck with environmentalism, where people want to preserve all things that are green or all things that are earth at all costs to humanity. So there's no room for progress. There's almost a regression that's occurring. A healthy perspective here is I have the authority to make decisions with God's creation. Now there's a caveat, and that is I have a responsibility to rule in a way that aligns with God's purpose and God's will. I don't have the authority to make any decision I want to make, period. I have the authority to make decisions that align with God's purpose and God's will. So if you think about the Walmart example again, if an employee makes a decision that does not align with the will or the purpose of the company, they're either going to be reprimanded or they're going to be terminated. One of those two things is going to happen because Walmart's purpose as a company is above that employee's autonomy, right? There is no autonomy. There is the ability to act within the purview of the company's goals. And if you don't meet that, you're gone, or at least you're reprimanded, hoping that you will line up with that. Similarly, if I don't act within the will or the purposes of God, I'm going to be either disciplined or God is going to take some other action there. Like if, I've, if I'm not part of God's family, then ultimately I end up in hell, right? If I'm not the redeemed, if I haven't been elected by God. So those things would occur. So I have to act in a responsible way with the authority God's given me. And lastly, my actions should bring glory to him and to his kingdom because I'm acting under his authority. So have you ever seen those news articles that try to bump up the clout of a company where like an employee does something really amazing where maybe a Walmart employee or a Giant Eagle or a Publix or Piggly Wiggly, now there's a company right there, Piggly Wiggly. So, you know, Piggly Wiggly, we'll, we'll land there. A Piggly Wiggly employee holds an umbrella for a woman as she's walking into the store and then he carries her groceries all the way home. Those articles bring glory to the name of that company and people that are like, what is this Piggly Wiggly company? Now, they're ready to go. They're all in. They're like, that employee carried groceries for an old woman? Well, I can spend my money there because that's what I'm about, right? So the actions bring glory to the company. Similarly, my actions, as someone who's been granted dominion by God, should bring glory to his kingdom. And this dominion and these principles apply in all areas of life. So in creation, on my property, I have authority over my property, right? I have authority, quite frankly, over, over creation, over animals, over fish, over the earth, over the trees, over the plants. So I have authority to cut down trees on my property, 
not just because the state says I own the property, but because I have been granted dominion over the earth by God. I have the authority to harvest animals because I've been granted dominion by God or to raise them for my purposes as long as it aligns with the will of God. So over my family, my wife and kids, I've been granted dominion. I've been granted a leadership role over my wife and my children. But I also need to lead in a way that brings glory to God and expands his kingdom. If you're an elder or a teacher at your church, you've been granted dominion by God to rule there. But there's also a higher level of accountability for those who are elders and teachers. At your job, you haven't just been granted dominion by your workplace. You've been granted dominion by God as well. You're to exercise your authority at your job for the glory of God and to expand his kingdom. And whenever you mentor people, or if you're witnessing to others, those opportunities as well, you have dominion through God, right? I'm to expand the kingdom of God by spreading the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the reconciliation of us to God. So I've been granted dominion there as well. And we can, I don't want to land here because I feel like a lot of times people make too much of this, but we're granted spiritual authority as well through prayer. And quite frankly, if we look at some of the spiritual encounters that happen, we have power over evil through the name, through the authority of Jesus, not my power, but through the authority of Jesus, we have power as well. It's not my power, it's his power, but I have dominion through him. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. I like your approach because I think there is what's become popular and I I hear it, I hear it maybe too frequently, um, enough to get a little bit, just a little bit annoyed by it. But um, authority that's just, that's just because um, it's like the spiritual talk, you know, I cl- mm-hmm. I proclaim this or I have authority over this. And it's like, yeah, you do. But it's almost like this kind of like a standalone. Now, they, they'll probably like behind it. Maybe they're assuming because of Christ, but they're not saying it. And I, so I got a problem with that where I, I proclaim this to be done. And it's kind of like it sounds a lot like they're just autonomous forces that, that you know, that are a opposing evil and darkness and sickness and stuff like that and their proclamation of you know of whatever they're proclaiming over i proclaim this over you and and i just don't i'm sorry i just don't buy that i like your approach because it's all under christ it's all i mean uh, we don't have any we're we are not uh, we surrendered it our authority our dominion we surrendered it in the garden of eden when adam and eve fell into temptation they gave this the serpent authority so he Paul calls him the prince of the power of the air, right? I mean, like in Ephesians, he talks about um, Satan being the authority, the governing figure of this world until Christ came to take it back, and he took it back on our behalf. You know, so, so we, any dominion we have is is because of Christ. And so I like that, you know, we have authority, yeah, over spiritual things, physical things, like, and it's been given back to us because of the of the work of Christ on the cross and his, and his resurrection. Absolutely. And that, that's why I think it's important to state that we're acting on behalf of mm-hmm. Christ through his power. Because if we claim things like, I proclaim this, just because I'm redeemed doesn't mean I can speak things into being. And here's, here's yeah. the really, I think, the dark side of that. When we start claiming things outside of the name of Christ, right? And, or even assuming our authority extends beyond what it has extended, mm-hmm assuming that I have this authority that I don't have, 
when I start proclaiming things like that, in a sense, I deify myself. Mm. Right? Who's really God if God has to do everything that I say? Mm. And that's the dark side of that where I feel like there's a balance here. One of the verses that helped me navigate this very early on, and I wasn't actually intending to talk about this at all, but I struggled with this concept of where does my authority end? Mm. And if I'm sincere in prayer and I have the faith of a mustard seed, I can move mountains. Well, I really believe this is going to happen and it's not happening. Well, there's a passage and I don't remember the exact reference. And, you know, if you're a listener and you come across it and want to email it to us, you know, please email info at headofnations.com. So Paul says, Trophimus, I left sick. So Paul's moving on. He's like, Trophimus is sick. Now, this is the same Paul that earlier had done through Christ miraculous healings, like tons of miracles, right? And he's like, Trophimus, I left him sick. Well, if Paul can heal anyone he wants to heal at any point in time because he's redeemed, why is he leaving Trophimus sick? Right. Similarly, Paul's thorn in the flesh, where mm. Paul's like, "God, take this away. God, take this away." And God's like, "My grace is sufficient for you." Mm-hmm. So, Paul had bounds to the authority that he was given. He couldn't just heal anyone he wanted to; otherwise, he wouldn't have written Trophimus. I left sick mm. because he would have healed Trophimus. Or telling Timothy, you know, drink a little wine for your stomach. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, for your stomach's sake, drink this wine like, because you got yeah. Go heal him, darn it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, you're, that's very interesting. Yeah. yeah, so there are bounds on that. Mm-hmm. And Paul had performed miracles through Christ, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't something, it seems, that he could just do whenever he wanted to, wherever he wanted to. Mm-hmm. There were some boundaries placed on that. And so when people proclaim things, they're taking authority they don't have. And therefore, that's I think that's why you don't see the results that you would expect to see, because... They're not acting actually through the authority granted them by God. They're trying to claim something that's not theirs. Yes, and it's like they're they're trying to claim this maybe even an incommunicable attribute of God's being like his knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like, like he is omniscient and he has a plan and a purpose for every single one of, of these people who are, you know, who are sick or who are going through these things. Now, healing could be a part of their story Absolutely, prayer is effective and is something that can be done. But if not, then that is not for them, right? I mean, some mm-hmm. like I, I think the scripture is pretty clear, even as it demonstrates. Some are healed, some are not. That is, you know, but that is between them and God, and God according to God's plan for them, who is going to maybe leave leave a thorn in the flesh. Why? For their sanctification, you know. Uh, whereas another person will be healed, but that's according to the. Well, really, to the the Lord and King of everything, right? That's according to His plan. So claiming that, you know, is like I think that's that's a bit idolatrous, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's sinful. Is is claiming an incommunicable attribute of God's. Yeah. So yeah, can we pray for people to be healed? Hundred percent. But I don't think we have the authority to scripturally. Yeah, we don't have the authority to proclaim that. We might lose some listeners. I'm okay with that. I I think (laughs) the truth of the scripture is more important Mm -hmm. than Mm -hmm. listeners. So yeah, yeah. All right, so I can act with sovereignty as long as my actions align with God's will. It's sovereignty within bounds. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool because that's right on the notes where I was actually intending to go next. Good transition, Ben. Sovereignty. Yeah. And so kind of like just like we do with our kids, we allow them to act on their own, but we expect them to act according to our will or our goals for the family. So this is a, a pattern 
of spiritual life in actual life. So that parent-child relationship where I set boundaries for my children, I allow them to act with free will. I hate to say free will, but I allow them to act out their wishes or their will. But if it doesn't line up with my will, I correct that so that their actions will soon line up under my will. Now, my will for my family should align with God's will for my family. So there's this hierarchy here of authority where I give my children some authority, some dominion in the household under me. So God's given me dominion over my family. I turn some of that dominion over to my children, and they answer to me for how they exercise that. Similarly, I answer to God for how I exercise my dominion. I have to act within the bounds that God has placed for me. And if I don't, Scripture tells us, you know, Hebrews talks about God punishing those, right? He corrects the children that he loves. Mm -hmm. That's how you know you're a son, that you're corrected. So I don't know if you have any other things to say on that before I move on. I don't want to cut you off. I I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I think, you know, when we're talking about this, you know, I'm confronted with you know, with the way that that I run my household and I'm confronted with the with the failures of of the king, you know, <laughs> the, over just, the house, yeah. Right, and I so and then I'm reminded, you know, I'm reminded of of the penitent king David, you know, who um who knew who failed greatly. Um, incredible success, but some great, significant failures who became, I would say, more of a king after God's heart when he became, you know, a penitent king, you know, a, a humble king. And I think that's what, that's pleasing, I think, in, in, in the sight of the Lord, our king. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So to get more on this topic here, the practical aspects of being granted dominion. So, one is you, listener, so me, Ben, you, listener, you are an emissary of the king. Mm. Think about that. You are an emissary of the king. This is the concept of head of nations. I didn't just pull this out of nowhere. I really feel like God brought this concept to me, that concept of head of nations through the scripture and mm -hmm. through you know, prayer and thought, mm -hmm. that, that this is the concept. It's not just a game we're playing, you actually, I actually, I'm an emissary of the king in all actuality, not philosophically, practically speaking, I represent God. I represent the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And when I live out my daily life, I live out my life as an emissary of the king. I represent the king directly. So I better live like it, mm. right? So those failings and those failures, mm -hmm. that's, that's the hard part of this. Like we represent the king with our victories and with our failures. Now, if through failure, if we have that penitence, mm -hmm. I feel like we represent the king well, mm -hmm. like recognizing that I am human and that humility that I need to have of I'm fallen and I can't do this apart from God. I cannot live a holy life apart from God. Even if I try my best, I can't do it. Right? But that's what people need to see modeled is mm -hmm. that we do what we can. We submit ourselves to Christ and through Christ, we become sanctified slowly. But part of that sanctification is admitting when we're in error and repenting and coming to him for help. So similarly, when our children mess up, we expect them to come to us. That's that pattern again. But practically, I'm an emissary of the king. So I should live like, just think about like, if, if this was top of your brain all the time, think about how you'd live your daily life if your focus was, 
I'm an emissary of the king. Like, have you ever been given an important task? I had to introduce a state senator one time. Mm -hmm. I was given no guidance. I was given, I actually liked the fact that I was given no guidance. I was like, oh, I'd better do a ton of research. I was just approached and it was at a speaking engagement and someone was like, can you please introduce the senator? And I was like, how do I introduce a senator? So I started researching, well, what is one expected to say? What am I expected to hit? Like, am I supposed to talk about this, that, the other, right? But it was a very important job and I was representing an institution while I was doing it. So I'm speaking on behalf of the institution. I'm introducing someone that's an important figure in state government. When I was given that task, when I was actually doing the job, it was a big deal to me. First of all, that I was chosen to do it. And second of all, that I was chosen to do it to represent the institution. And third of all, that I was introducing someone important, right? So when I acted that out, I did so joyously, but I did so with some trepidation. Like I was like, this is a big responsibility. I need to take this seriously. Now, on the grander scale of the eternal, if I thought about this all the time, like the big task I've been given of exercising dominion on behalf of the King of Kings, how would I act out my life on a regular basis? Much more intentionally and with much more joy. Yes, and, and humility, right? I mean, I think that, you know, that we ref we'll reflect him more and more, yes, in our intentionality. Certainly in our joy, I think we'll laugh a ton more, right? Knowing that we are kings under him, um, under the one who forgave us and the one who's guiding us and the one who's shaping us, you know, and giving us opportunities to, you know, to enjoy our dominion, but also to, to shape it, you know, in a way that, that is, you know, kind of according to our characters and natures. But also, you know, I think it, it puts us in our place. It, it's against pride, right? And it's against in that way, tyranny, you know, I think it, it you know, it, it gives us a more accurate view of ourselves, which I think will lead to peace. It's kind of, I, I can't get gentle and like when Jesus, his self-perception, right? He calls himself, I'm gentle and lowly, you know, I'm, I'm meek and, you know, and accessible, you know, it's like, it makes me think, oh, that's what I want to be. I want to imitate him in that way. But, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I was just thinking of a fighter I knew, uh, a guy, he was a Thai, Muay Thai fighter, and I had spent some time with him. We were both doing a task for an organization, and he was a bad dude in a good way. Yeah. Like, he, he was a man of God. But he, he was a kick bad you, dude. Kick you in the face. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> he, he could outstrike me any day. And, like, I, I think I'm an okay striker. Like, I'm not going to say I'm a great striker because I'm not, but I'm an okay striker. And he could outstrike me any day, just beat the brakes off of me. But when I got to talking to him, you know, he was a family man and he was a, a gentle man. Mm. Like there was a, a situation one time at, at a job we were doing where we, we may have actually had to go hands on with people. And he was like, I, I hope I don't have to hurt this guy. Mm. And I was like, wow, that's a really, that's a really cool mindset where he wanted to be gentle, right? He, we were in a, a job where we had to maybe, you know, go hands on and make a situation deescalate. After that, he debriefed me. He's like, I, I would have felt really bad if I would have had to hurt that guy. Mm. And that's from a, a fighter. Like he, he was a warrior. He still is a warrior, but a man of God. And he was gentle. He didn't want to have to use force. He was very gentle. And like he was a family man, talked about his kids, talked about his wife. And I expected him to, when I first talked to him, I expected him to just be like hardened. Like, don't look at me. Don't talk to me. Don't breathe around me. But he was like, 
yeah, how are your kids? How's your family? Tell me about your wife. Tell me about your kids, right? And then he's like, oh, I've got kids. Isn't that great? Isn't it great? And I was like, wow, he's really gentle. So like, there's that aspect where Christ, extremely powerful, right? He's God, mm. but also gentle with mm-hmm. us. He's gentle with us in our failings. So that's a really cool aspect mm. that you brought up there. Okay, that was just a side tangent. So one thing I want to highlight is we will be judged for how we exercise the dominion we've been given. This should give us pause. So I'm an introspective guy, and I think you're a pretty introspective guy as well. And I think through sometimes how I lead, and I think that's good because I recognize I'm going to be judged. One day, I will be held accountable for how I exercise the dominion God has given me over everything, over my wife, over my children, over my job, over my livestock, like everything. I'm going to be judged. I actually will be judged for that. If I don't rule well, I will be held accountable. That's a sobering thought. It should really, I think, instill in us a bit of the fear of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Just like our children, we judge them when they transgress our rules, we will be judged. And our children don't like it when we judge them. I'm, I'm guessing your children don't like it, right? It's an uncomfortable no, thing. Brian, they don't. <laughs> yeah, good, good answer, good answer, right? You don't, don't want them like, oh, they, they could care less. That, that shows not great discipline. But yeah, my children don't want to be disciplined by me. I don't want to be disciplined by God. Mm-hmm. So I should exercise the dominion I've been granted well. So I wanted to give you a chance for your final thoughts here on this topic of dominion as a believer. I feel like you're going to be like upset at me for, but this is a thought that I had from the, I don't know, maybe the first couple of sentences of the, of you know, when, when we first started, I have this weird thought that, uh, cause I was thinking like, what happens when animals resist our authority? And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, sometimes animals really, there's certain animals that really do respond and, you know, to, to our authority. Like good, you know, good dogs or, you know, or domestic animals, you know. That's why I like dogs. Um, yeah. And I even think, you know, I've had interesting encounters with other animals that are maybe more wild animals. Animals that, you know, that seem to, that seem to either like obey and act accordingly or animals who don't and fight and resist. And I think I, I had a thought here. What if there were good animals, godly animals who understood the authority of man and woman, right? But then there were some animals who, just like just like people, who were not redeemed, right? Not the redeemed animal, and so would fight against, you know. In you know, like I like I think of this is weird. I think of Grizzly Man, but Grizzly Man lived with grizzlies, and they were fine with him for a while. And then there was a rogue bear that 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 mauled him to death. And I think you know, what if what if it's like that? I think, think it is. I do. I'm glad you brought this up. Okay. okay. I see you You opened the word. I so did. So good. I'm going to get to the word in a second. But there's the story of the two lions. They're actually, I believe they're in the Smithsonian Museum. There was a movie made about it called The Ghost in the Darkness. And these yes. two lions in Africa, they went around, I, I'm going to call it murdering. They yeah. went around murdering people. They didn't just kill people. They sought people out. And they killed them maliciously and let them rot. Right. They didn't eat them. Yeah. They just killed them to kill them. And mm-hmm. like at one point, they actually did attack some people mm-hmm. in a hospital that were sick. But they hunted people for the sport of killing them. And that's very atypical. Yeah. So I want to hit, this is in Genesis 9. 
This is after the flood, all right? In Genesis 9, starting with verse 4, but you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal. And from each man too, I will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. So God, it sounds like here, is going to judge the animals for spilling the blood of man. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it seems to me that animals know the will of God and know when they're transgressing it. Now, that's how I read that. And listeners may disagree or you may disagree, but it seems to me there are animals Mm -hmm. that actually are transgressing and are doing that which they're called to not do. So if an animal kills man, God says, I'm judging that animal for mm-hmm. spilling your lifeblood. And thank goodness, because of, like, think about the shark attacks, you know, mm-hmm. think about like, or the crazy animal attacks that, you know, that happen when, yeah. um, you know, when they, when they actually kill, you, you think like, oh, I, I'm going to kill that animal, but is that actually going to bring mm-hmm. justice? You know, no, <laughs> yeah. not, but God will. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's interesting to me. Yeah. But, um, and then I think of shark attacks too. And I think, I, I know a shark fisherman, he's a good friend of mine. And he's he's astounded that there aren't more shark attacks because of where he catches sharks. They, I mean, he catches them in three three feet of water. You know, big sharks. And I'm like, man, that is wild stuff. You know, and he he stays out of the ocean for that reason. But um, but the, the amount of sharks that that come close, you would think there'd be way more, but there aren't. Yeah, there are only some, and that's very interesting to me. And those those little those those ones must be bad ones, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And like, if you look crazy. at bear attacks, no, I, I think <laughs> it, it lines up. So when you look at bear attacks or other things like that, this is way afield, but <laughs> yeah, there, there seems to be, it, most bears leave people alone. Mm-hmm. Most animals seem to leave people alone, but there yes. are a few that actively hunt people. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that Genesis 9 shows that they're, they're transgressing and it seems like knowingly. Yeah. So... Let's hit on this topic a little bit more here another day uh, and go ahead and close this out. But I think that's a really intriguing concept here as far as dominion. But we're even to rule over those animals and maybe Mm -hmm. even to distribute justice where it needs to be distributed Mm -hmm. to those animals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So closing thought here is just that we have dominion. That dominion still exists. God has granted us authority under him to rule. And so we should rule for him the way that he intends. And I think that's an awesome responsibility. It's an exciting responsibility, but it should also give us a little bit of pause. Well, thank you all for listening. If you have any questions, feel free to email them to us at infoheadofnations.com. And you can also check out the website headofnations.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can click on that support tab. And if you like the show, please share it with other people and also leave us a written review if you'd like to do that. That helps us with the algorithm. And as always, I would just like to say, we are the head of our nations, so let's go live like it. Until next time.